Hey, Diggs, welcome to Dennis in the Know, your backstage pass to current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. We are Dentistry Source for honest, relevant information. And with that in mind, this is JB's News on the Go with Dennis in the Know. So introducing to you with all the relevant information, Dr. Jennifer Bell. So first off, last week we talked about the young boy who had uh, the incident in the back of his throat with his toothbrush, right? And that ended up in a seizure stroke that put him into the hospital. Well, fast forward another week, we have a story of a 12-year-old boy who had his orthodontic wire that somehow made its way through the oral cavity, up through the foramen valley, and into the temporal space, creating a hemorrhaging spot. He had like absent seizures going on. He was nauseous and a little disoriented for a couple days. His parents took him to the hospital. Here's the other crazy part of the story. He started only speaking in Spanish. So he's his first language is English, and maybe he happens to know Spanish as a second language, but that's the only language he started speaking, which I thought, how cool is the brain? You know, you kind of mess around with the wiring a little bit, and all of a sudden they become a fluent Spanish speaker. Anyway, wire was removed, boy was saved, all was well. But it is the first documented case of an orthodontic wire making its way through the foramen valley and into the temporal lobe. Uh, I don't know if there's a PSA there because it does seem like a bit of a freak incident, but just thought you should know about it. Another interesting story for the week, there was a recall on a bone grafting material. Let me, it was from Zio, A-Z-I-Y-O. They make a bone grafting material that was sent to 13 different hospitals and dental offices across multiple states. There was a tuberculosis outbreak that came from the graft. Five patients have become ill from the tuberculosis bacterium, and they are recalling that graft, and they're calling all patients that had received it to go through testing for TB and treatment if warranted, even if they're not showing symptoms. So if you do use a Zio bone grafting material, um, then maybe you should follow up on the recall and reach out to your patients. The FDA and the CDC are both involved now in the recall. All right. So moving on, this is super interesting because I love the direction of this particular news story. California just passed a law that requires or is in, uh, trying to ensure that insurers will provide more clarity around whether or not the plan is a state plan or a federal plan. Why is this important? Well, let's go back into the news box for a minute, back uh, about a year ago, where we were talking about the nuances of whether or not states had to adhere to the laws of the federal part of a dental plan or if they could uh, follow the state laws. Why is that important? Because in 39 states, there is a law in the books that's, that uh, states that dentists can um, not honor write-offs and charge appropriate fees for procedures if that service is not covered by the dental insurance company. If it's a federal plan, it falls under federal law, which means that the write-offs are required. So California passed this law to 
uh, try to get more clarity around when they see a plan, how do they actually know whether or not this is a federal plan or a state plan? And I've been working on this in my own office, and I can tell you it's a real beast of an issue because it's not obvious who's actually insuring the plan and what jurisdiction it falls under. So then a dentist is left wondering, do I take the write-off? Am I not required to take the write-off? When does this become important? Your veneers and elective cases, when you are providing treatment that the patient probably should be paying in full for, the insurance company isn't going to cover it, but yet they still require you to take the write-off. In certain states, that's legal that you do not have to take the write-off. And in other states, it's illegal if you do not take the write-off. And does it fall within the state or the federal jurisdiction? So I like the direction that California has gone with this. I think more states should look at the structure of that law and see if this shouldn't be applicable in other states, particularly ones that have the law already on the books that allows doctors to charge a usual and customary fee for things that are not covered by the insurance company, even if they are in network. So I really like that one. There are a lot of big changes. North Carolina has been in the news lately in several dental arenas. Uh, we have tended to be a more conservative dental licensure state. We're seeing a lot of movement in the contrary to that over the last couple of years. And there's a new uh, opening up of the Dental Practice Act. And whenever that happens in North Carolina, it tends to raise an uproar. The last time we did it, we got into a legal battle with corporate dentistry. Um, which cost millions of dollars and, and was a really kind of messy battle. Well, we're reopening it again and looking at a couple of different things. Here are some interesting uh, items in that new proposed law that I think is could be a nice debate for another time. First, uh, dental educators can come into the state and obtain licensure if they have 2,000 hours of clinical time. So that fast tracks them to a full state licensure. Other educators that do not have that particular amount of clinical time will be eligible for the instructor license, which will get them into uh, a certain pipeline to be eligible for an NC license uh, track. Um, another interesting piece of this is the mental health part. And we talked a little bit about this today on the Facebook group about a new requirement in North Carolina requiring a one hour of substance abuse or mental health awareness education every two years for your licensure. Um, they are also starting to tie licensure around that. And they actually do have are pushing for the right um, to administer mental and uh, well-being exams on individuals who are applying for dental licensure. Um, there's a lot of uproar in that particular area. And the other area of um, if a dentist is being uh, accused of a particular thing, uh, and maybe it's wrapped around substance abuse or mental health awareness uh, or mental health issues, and they are required to, right now they have to go before a judge and a judge has to issue an evaluation. Uh, the state dental board is asking to pull that back in and uh, administer or facilitate that. There's pros because it keeps it out of the court information. So maybe it will provide more privacy for the individual who may be actually suffering from a major issue that, that just needs help and, and has potential for rehabilitation. But the other concern is how powerful does the board become? And I think, you know, we always have to um, we have to be mindful about entities that are sort of doing these little grabs, good, bad, or indifferent. We just have to be at least open for discussion. Um, in answer to your question for the educator, 
it was not specified in this particular article, but I'll see if I can find more clarity in that. I believe it would be a full-time educator with a, an institution. Um, all right, just a few more things, guys. I promise it'll be quick. HPI, we talked a little bit about this last week, but let's consolidate some real statistics that I think our, even our guests tonight would really like to dig in a little bit more. Number one, uh, overhead expenses for dental offices went up 7.7% year over year. Um, and their revenue stream or reimbursement rates have only gone up 2.2%, creating a pretty significant gap in profitability for practices. And we have seen for the first time a decrease in income. So dentists reported a decrease somewhere in 20 to $40,000 range, uh, like 240 to 210, somewhere in that ballpark uh, year over year in decrease in salary, because ultimately that's where the profitability comes from. So I think that's a really interesting statistic. I think it's concerning on numerous levels that we could dive into and probably spend an entire show. And we sort of did that last week alone. Um, but, but I do think it's something we need to be continually mindful of and watching those statistics coming out. All right. The last thing I will mention is there is a dentist dental hygiene compact. I've mentioned it a couple of times on the show prior. This was originally, this originally came out of the Department of Defense and the American Dental Association to open portability specifically at that time for spouses of, uh, individuals who were enlisted in the military services because they often were reassigned pretty frequently. And the spouses that were licensed dental professionals had a difficult and expensive time getting relicensed as they moved around from state to state. So the compact was meant to be a more streamlined approach to get individuals uh, who are affiliated with military individuals licensed quicker. But it sort of opened up this Portability Act um, to allow individuals to move within states to state with within state to state a little bit easier to obtain their license and maybe reduce the overhead and expense. Seven states are required in order for the compact to be official. Right now we have Iowa, Tennessee, and Washington. There are three other states that have it up for a vote. That's New Jersey, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Wisconsin is looking to bring it forth in the next year. Um, and so if there are seven states that sign on to this agreement, whether you agree with it or not, it will start to open up the portability licensure opportunities uh, for dentists and dental hygienists to be able to move from state to state. I am sorry I went long this evening, but lots have been ha lots been happening over the last week, and I want to get it all to you. Thanks so much for your patience, and that's the news. So, gang, that's it for today's show. We want to thank you for tuning in, but more importantly, we want to thank you for being a part of Dentists in the Know. I'm Dr. Jeff Horowitz. I'm Dr. Chad Duplantis. And I'm Dr. Jennifer Bell. And we're Dentists in the Know. Remember, gang, dentistry is an amazing profession, but it's way more rewarding when you're in the know.